Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, the Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, the Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hey, good evening, Susan. Is the heat wave there, too? Oh, yeah, it's hot here. It's uh, yesterday 103 when we were driving in the car. Today it cooled down into the mid-90s. 
Ay, ay, yeah, ay, ay, so hot, hot, oh, 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 mm-mm, I just had rain, friends who came back, they thought they would escape to Maine, and it was super hot in Maine, too, so. There's no escape right now. No, <laughs> at all right in now. So many... guest... Yeah. Our guest tonight, Steve Blake, lives in Maui, mm-hmm. so we will have to find out how it is. In Maui, when we talk to Steve tonight, Steve is a doctor of science specializing in nutritional biochemistry, and he's mostly going to be talking to us about um, the effects of nutrition on health, including nutrients for memory. Hmm. That's at 9 o'clock. Stay with us or come back to hear what Steve Blake, another person who has more initials after his name than in it, has to say to us. Mm Mm-hmm. So what have you been up to this week? Um, I have been packing my my house and um, my office up and getting ready to move. And um, I also, uh, I've been making a couple little herb videos and um, uh, highlighting the mallows because that's kind of what's been catching my eye recently. And um, I have a whole bunch of Malva neglecta growing around the teepee that I'm staying in, and it is, it's like hugging around like the whole entire teepee, and it's really sweet. So um, I've been really communing with that, that plant quite a bit and um, feeling, feeling into it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been a nice, gentle soother, making various things out of Malva Neglecta and um, just uh, letting it, I guess, uh, like really feeling like that commune of the of it being a support for me at this time, you know. Yes, the I love how it blankets areas, and it really does. Mm-hmm. It just like totally covers the whole area, and it's such... In a way, it's such a small and inconspicuous plant. It doesn't get big. The leaves don't get very big. The flowers are kind of a light pink. They're not really flashy, mm-hmm. especially not for something in the hibiscus family. Yeah. It's a low-green carpeting plant. But in Colorado once, we dug up the root of one, and the root was almost three feet long. Yeah, the roots are really long. Yeah, and um, it's quite a hardy plant. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. hardy. It yeah, was growing, it was growing in you know practically you know a desert. Yeah. Uh huh. And I I've although come I, although to it prefers rich soil barnyards to any other place I think. Yeah, it's interesting because it had never we've never noticed it growing there before. She's lived the woman that um, whose property is has lived in this house for you know, like a good 30 years, and she's never noticed it growing there before. And I've been working for her and, like, been around that house for a long time and never noticed it growing. But I guess that the seeds stay viable for a really long time. So when we leveled the the teepee ground, there must have been some dormant seeds, like, way under there. Exactly. um, Yeah, and... I don't know. I just felt like it came for me, though, because I have, I feel like my spirit's kind of, you know, like so intertwined with this plant right now and like being like sleeping at head level with it. And it is this, like the Malva is like this, you know, means like a soft plant 
and then uh, the neglecta. So it's like the, the soft neglected one, you know, and so much of my relationship with my partner was like, you know, like just like this ongoing kind of like neglect of our, of like this, like of this intimacy that we uh, had lost, you know, and um, finding out that Malva Neglecta also is like a love herb and like in the Iroquois and like these different um, indigenous cultures like considered it to be like a an erotic like love, like passion herb. And uh, I just think that that's so interesting that it came at this time when I'm like really kind of craving that kind of intimacy in my life. And it's like, it's showing me this like nourishment of like becoming like softer and more, um, able to receive, you know. Uh, I love how yeah. nature always goes out of her way to show us that we, you, are her favorite child. Yeah, yeah. It's just like when you really open up to that and just the plants, they're just, they're always there for us, you know, in this this like way that I, I just feel so held by, you know, and they're they're all around and I just feel so, um, like, blessed to have kind of let down my guard in this way to, like, receive that kind of information from them. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're, and, getting ready, we're getting ready for the Green Goddess Week here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've imposed a few COVID restrictions to keep us all safe, such as um, telling people that I need them to take um, an Uber from the airport to here when, if they're flying in and not to take any public transportation besides the airplane. Mm. And I'm relieved to read that most airlines, most planes are only about half full, so that should make social distancing somewhat easier. Yeah, I've heard that flying's pretty pleasurable right now because of that. You get a lot of space on the airplane. Yeah. And if Mm -hmm. you're contemplating a flight, if I were contemplating a flight, um, which I don't get to, because everything I was supposed to fly to, it has been virtualized, um, Mm -hmm. I would continue my practice of taking Hypericum, starting as soon as I got to the waiting room and continuing to take it um, as often as I thought about it throughout the trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I really trust the antiviral protection of Hypericum perforatum as a tincture of the fresh flowering top. Yeah, lots and of talk I, of Hypericum and all of its gifts right now. I mean, if you yeah. don't have Hypericum in your pocket or in your bag at all times, you know, right. it's now because, yeah, it's, it helps with so many things. It does indeed, truly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Can help us yeah. get through days with a little more of a smile, a little sunnier disposition about it. And less aches and pains. Oh, 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 the aches and pains. But, you know, I had <laughs> to admit that, you know, it's really, really too hot when the hypericum is drooping. Mm-hmm. I know. I have it, some in my yard, like fully flat on the ground right now. <laughs> it's it's like really like the sun and the heat, but it's just too much even for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, do we have anybody with any questions tonight, Rebecca? Believe it or not, nobody has raised their hand yet. So if you have a question for oh, Susan, well, make sure to press one to speak I with her. But there are a lot of people on the line, so hopefully by press, hopefully. forgot to That's press okay. one. It's all right if no one has any problems. So uh, this past week, yeah. I taught <laughs> two one-day Todd, class problems. Right. <laughs> Good the day for now. <laughs> the, the first classes since uh, my surgery. Um, that I carried off the whole day from ten to five, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I saw. I just was looking at a beautiful picture that Justine had taken, where there's like a sunbeam, like coming straight down onto your, onto your crown, and it just looks so like you're um, connected to source consciousness. <laughs> she told me. She said, "Oh, I took the greatest pictures of you out in the Sinigio Swamp." Yeah, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. The Live Out Apprentices had a special request that we walk out to see Skullcap. Mm. I mm-hmm. think you might remember where the Skullcap grows. Yeah, I do. I remember. I can see it in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. It's such a unique and special spot, that Sinichio Swamp. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm sorry to say that it was bone dry and we were able to sit right on the dried up mud and there was no mosquitoes in sight. Well, maybe I'm not and was sorry. It to there was no mosquitoes in sight. <laughs> and, and then the as, was a graduation well. exercise, as a graduation exercise, the Live Out Apprentices got to go back Sunday after class with jars and vodka to make their own skull cap tincture. Mm-hmm. Nice. And... Uh, after hearing me talk about it, Justine said, let me taste your skull cap tincture. And I gave her some to taste, and she said, oh, my gosh, this tastes like like you have become a fairy who is living in the blossom of the skull cap. <laughs> I said, it's, you know, the skull cap, which grows wild. I don't know if it's true of the cultivated ones. It's certainly not the ones I've seen. But the skull cap that grows wild that is tinctures, tinctured immediately upon being harvested I fancifully say that the fairies are with it, that the fairies mm-hmm. don't fly away. That there is something so unique and remarkable about it. You know, thinking a lot about scented mints like lemon balm and sage and catnip and bergamot and unscented mints like motherwort and prunella self-heal. And uh, skullcap really uh, rides both horses. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't run your hands through it like you could catnip or lemon balm and smell your hands. Mm-mm. But you certainly could not say that Skullcap is unscented. Not unscented, and it definitely has a unique, it has a vibration to it when you're with it, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was this, did the skull cap continue growing um, even though it had dried out quite a bit in the swamp area? Skull cap, the skull cap was still growing. And mm-hmm. strangely enough, instead of being so prostrate as it often is, it was growing more upright. Mm-hmm. But there was a good amount, there's a good amount of it this year. Mm-hmm. Of course, the first yeah. plant that we had, first plant that we had to... Uh, 
be introduced to was Sinichio itself, if we're going to the Sinichio swamp. And I often tell the story of my very first meeting with Sinichio Aureus, our local Sinichio, which was that I was at the top of this tower uh, teaching a class uh, for women about reproductive issues. And suddenly the door to the tower is flung open and a man strides into the room and throws this yellow flowered plant into the midst of our circle and says, this is ragweed, ha, ha, ha. It's for when you're on the rag, ha, ha, ha. And went out slamming the door behind him. Hmm. I, I must admit to having an attitude about the plant because of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I had never really heard of it. So class just kind of went on as though that didn't happen. And then, well, maybe it was a couple of years later, I saw this bright yellow flower blooming in the roadside ditch. And it was at a safe place where I could pull off and went to see what it was. And, of course, I carry my field guide with me. So I was able to identify it as Sinichio aureus, or golden ragwort. I thought, aha, I remember this plant. And it was then later on in Alma Hutchins' uh, Native American Indian Herbology that um, I found that Native women called it life root. Mm-hmm. And that it was used to bring about a delivery where it didn't seem like it was going to work. I have certainly found the Senecio aureus flowers tinctured fresh to help women normalize the changes and movements of their hormones. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I've been having some ongoing, I, I don't know if it's from stress or what, um, just changes in my cycle where it, my period will start early and um, it's been happening again and again. And, yeah, so, but it takes it several days to start. So I wonder I wonder if something like this would actually be helpful for me. I think of Senecio, which is considered a poisonous plant, which is why I'm used to flowers. And for some women, the flowers and stalks and leaves are okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think of it for the really um, the tough cases, mm-hmm. the intractable cases. Mm-hmm. You're how old now? I am 38. As far as I'm concerned, any changes in your period are already menopause. Yeah. Yeah, I've been feeling that just, uh, yeah, just uh, how I'm coming into another phase of life right now. I feel like I'm, you know, that 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 butterfly or uh, going into the chrysalis is already happening for me and like everything's be- starting to change quite a bit so yeah <laughs> yeah mhm and it could also be you know your body's way of pushing to see if there's one last child by ovulating more frequently 
you know, there's less traffic on my road, but it's so much noisier. I don't know mm-hmm. if you can hear all that n- noise. Um, yeah. Hmm. This part of the cycle that is the same in each woman and each cycle is the amount of days between ovulation and menstruation, and that's 13 days. Mm-hmm. And that's to be counted on. What can't be counted on is the part between menstruation and ovulation. So in a, quote, normal menstrual cycle, that's 15 days or two weeks. But the variation that comes in our cycles in menopause and during menarche comes from the variability of that phase between menstruation and ovulation. And I think you're right. I think stress can do it. And, um, of course, hormones, especially women's hormones, are very sensitive to um, the both the amount and the quality of the fats in the diet. I eat quite a bit of fat, and I'm very uh, into high-quality fat and you know, I eat pretty good. Although through this breakup, it's been I've been uh, <laughs> not. I don't know. It's hard to eat sometimes because that, it's like so exactly stressful. Exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. That the effects of stress are that your normally excellent diet falls to the wayside. Mhm. It's you know it's, yeah. a, it's a victim of the stress too. Mhm. So reach for the peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It's an okay. easy thing to eat. It's rich in protein. It's got really good quality fat. Get organic, you know. I personally prefer chunky, but that's up to you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I had somebody write in a question today to me, but I would like to have, I'm having a hard time, like, uh, thinking about it that much, But so maybe you can... Um, reflect on it. I know she listens to the radio show and she's a a follower of yours for a long time, so I'm sure she would appreciate your feedback too. And I will remind the callers to press 1 if anybody wants to queue up for a question. And um, her question says, I'm an herbalist like you and I rely on herbal allies to help my family with prevention of colds and flu and even COVID. I am not for big pharma by any means. I am curious what are your thoughts on the frontline doctors who are claiming that they have to use hydroxychloroquine? I feel concerned about censorship. I also feel concerned that a doctor can prescribe something and I... I pharmaceutical worker and a pharmaceutical worker can deny the prescription. I am a person that is open-minded and I like knowing the truth. Like everyone else, I don't like misinforming people and yet I feel like regular mainstream media is owned by a few corporations who have the agenda of mandated vaccine. So they suppress this simple drug so that they can pass their vaccine. Well, 
Well, let's start right there. It's not a simple drug. You can't even pronounce it. Mm-hmm. It's not a simple drug. And the early trials of it found that people who received it when they had a COVID infection were more likely to die. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to get your medical information from the media. I get my medical information from the New England Journal of Medicine and the Journal of the American Medical Association and PubMed and the, um, you know, uh, a variety of sources. Our guest tonight, Steve Blake, um, has a, uh, what is it, uh, he is the, he has a database called the Herb Doctors with 1,000, 168,000 herbal facts. There's lots of places where you can get information, and one of the wonderful, wonderful things that everyone has access now that I didn't have access to in the 60s when I was first interested in herbal medicine is you have access to people who have spent their lives working with herbs and herbal medicine, and not just one or two of them but spread mm-hmm. out all across the globe, starting with some crazy herbalists in North America who said herbal medicine is people's medicine. We're not going to go for licensure. We're not going to try to be bigwigs here. We're going to put this back in the hands of the women and the children. And that spread out. You know, even in countries where uh, there's restriction and licensure, there are women who are reviving herbal medicine as people's medicine and simply stepping around and aside all those laws. So I would say my short answer is um, there's a lot wrong with the drug you're talking about. Spread your net looking for information much wider. As a matter of fact, I don't get any of my news from the kind of things that you're talking about that are owned by corporations. Um, I'm aware that it's out there, but since I don't own the television, I don't watch news on TV, and I don't subscribe to the newspaper, and I don't turn on radio. So uh, that kind of news is kind of um, as far away as the moon to me. What other sources do you have? And please take some motherwort. You're getting a little paranoid. Okay, we did have a caller queue up with a question. We'll go to the first caller here in the 908 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. Well, I called because I had called a couple weeks ago, I guess, and uh, I had gotten Lyme disease and um, was we were talking about taking echinacea, tincture, which I had on hand um, while I was finishing uh, the antibiotics that I 
ended up taking for it. Um, and I, so I'm still taking that and uh, I, I still go through and I'm finished with the antibiotics. I guess I've been finished with them for over a week now, a week and a half. And um, so I, I still get a little like, I guess I have several friends who have had, you know, chronic Lyme and I, I'm, I am like nervous that, you know, it won't go away completely or, you know, um, so I, uh, the main, uh, symptom that I could really see after a week or so of antibiotics was the rash and it's pretty much gone, but a little bit comes and goes. And we had also talked about that. You said rashes can do that. And that's been very helpful to me to, to know that, that it's not like necessarily coming back if the rash comes and goes. But um, anyway, I remember when uh, my daughter was a baby and I was um, reading your um, Herbal for the Childbearing Year, and that's where I first learned about echinacea. And I remembered that it, you talked about using um, it but only for a certain amount of time, not using it for too long. And I was thinking about using it for another week, which would be three weeks. And I was just wondering if you had thoughts on that, if I could keep going after that or if I should stop for a while or what What would, what would be your thoughts? What does your body say? Well, I was thinking about that, and I right now I feel like it's like definitely give me this. I am so happy. In fact, I may, just made a bunch more today because I was like, well, I'm, you know, I have had this other one that I made for like a year, so it's nice and strong, but I thought, you know, I better make some more. Good for you. Time to make some more. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had the. Herb, I was so I, I was discharged from the hospital around the end of May, mm-hmm. May twenty sixth, and while I was in the hospital, they they had IV antibiotics going yeah. through me, mm-hmm. and they discharged me um, with no antibiotics of any kind. Mm-hmm. So I immediately, as soon as there were people around me who would help me, started taking echinacea. As you recall, I wasn't able to really advocate for myself and get my remedies, even though I had echinacea with me at the hospital because I had to concentrate Mm -hmm. on the healing. But as soon as I got Mm -hmm. home, I started taking echinacea. And I took four tropperfuls at a time, a large dose, and Mm -hmm. um, as I needed, shortened the time between that, started out taking it twice a day. And um, as things happened, sometimes I was taking that dose every four hours. And now I'm down to taking it once every day or two. Mm. Okay. And I'm listening in. Does my body need this or want this? I know that it uses it as nutrition to help build um, white blood cells, macrophages, ways to mm. counter infection. 
Okay. It feels like nutrition to me as well. I, it really does. It's, it feels like it's very much a part of my building back up from I had gotten so sick, you know, with it. It just kind of really knocked me out. And um, so, so it sounds like it's not a cut and dry thing. Well, always it's not. I know that. But um, I can I can kind of follow my own lead with it. Absolutely. Yeah. How I how I use it. Okay. Um, and I remembered that there was another person who had called about Lyme uh, oh, not that long ago, but I could not find it in your past shows. It, you had mentioned a book that I think maybe one of your apprentices or somebody that you knew well had written, um, and I think it might have been called Dancing with Lyme, but I'm not sure. I couldn't remember the name of it or who had written it, and I was wondering if you... Even. Stephen Booner, B-U-H-N-E-R. He's a friend of mine, but not an apprentice. Uh, okay. okay. And okay. it's called Healing Lime. Mm, okay. And I enjoy the thoroughness of his research. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily. I do not necessarily stand behind using a lot of herbs. And I actually stand against using powdered herbs and capsules. Right. So you may be surprised that I would recommend a book that suggests taking lots of powdered herbs and capsules. Yeah. But I figure that most people are smart enough to say, I don't have to take them in capsules. I can take tinctures instead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I can make yeah. some of these into infusions. Okay. So... Okay. Um, so, so that was the one because I remembered you specifically saying, you know, and I thought you said she had been dancing with Lyme for like ten years or something. So, that does that ring a bell at all? No. Okay. All right. Well, that's all right. I um. Either I'll find it someday, or um, this is a good a good hint with um, Stephen Booner. And um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much what I what I wanted to touch on tonight. Thank you so much for calling. Green blessings. Thank good night. you. You too. Good night. If anybody else has a question, please press one to speak with Susan. Just a slow night as far as questions go. Um, Great. But Sunday, Sunday what we talked about was talking with plants. And I was mentioning that um, that has been one of my really enduring classes that I have, recordings of myself from uh, 40 years ago, teaching talking with plants. And that if you were to compare it to the class that I did on Sunday... Not much has changed. It's really, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really, you know, what the plants taught me, and there's nothing for me to change about it. One of the things yeah. I really liked was that um, I mentioned to the group early on that my experiences in being able 
to really hear the plants, um, that the plants told me that there were things that I was doing that was making that easier. Mm-hmm. And that one of those things was walking barefoot or being mm. barefoot. When I, when mm-hmm. I, because of course they spoke to me by putting images, All right? And so they they showed like a, pers- a biped, you know, walking. And I said, is it walk, you know, walking, or could it just be your bare feet on the earth? And then they, you know, agreed, yes. So you know, you could put your, or you could lay your whole body on the earth. That was okay with them too. Um, mm-hmm. But that skin contact with the earth, they said, was important to be able to hear them. And uh, I could envision, you know, that that people would come, and at least a talking stick, I could get them to take their shoes off and get their bare feet on the ground. And this Sunday, I did. Almost everybody at talking stick did take their shoes off at my urging and put their feet on the ground. Um, And I was quite thrilled to see that a goodly number of them continued the walk out to the skull camp, out to the Senecio swamp, barefoot. Mhm. Yeah. 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 I love it. Um, I love. <laughs> that part. Love being in contact easy. with the earth in that way. The other things that I was doing, that was so helpful to the plants, were not as easy as that. Uh, one was that they said that I was going slow enough for them to talk to me, or I was going slow enough for m- me to be able to understand them and I questioned them about you know what they meant by slow you know was my thinking slow or my movement slow and they showed me these little icons of like cars and buses and trains and planes and things like that I thought oh fast right Mm -hmm. that um, I wasn't at that point in my life, um, driving around or busing around or training around or flying around, I was pretty much staying at home in my teepee. Hmm. And that yeah, was the I third. find that when I come into the best like con, like if I want to commune with the plant and like really kind of let its uh, essence and spirit come through me that I have to create like a space there for it. And so like, I can like sit um, with it. It's almost like, you know, you, as you practice it, it's kind of like plugging something in, you know, it's like you're plugging your consciousness kind of into the space of like this, uh, etheric like akashic field where the where the plant um is able to come through to you and yeah that's i have like a a technique that i use like when i'm but yeah it involves slowing down surrendering and like creating a space for it and then the third thing was that i was sleeping in a space without corners Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm they showed me their voices getting caught in the corners like in spider webs. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and interesting. I was, yeah. yeah, I immediately thought about how many indigenous people live in round or roundish structures. Even the the uh, Iroquois Confederacy, they lived in longhouses, right, which are like Quonsetuts. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, here too, the long houses. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. no corners. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I was uh, in the TV with my kids last night, and we were all, you know, it's like it's, and I'm going to be moving into a house, and it's just it's sad because it is such a special uh, way to to live and to be, and I, I'm going to miss sleeping in it every night. Yeah, but change is coming, so. <laughs> change is a coming. It's true. At, we did have a couple more people queue up with questions, so we'll, we can go to the next caller in the 845 area code. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, Susan. Um, I want to say that I went to an osteopath with a pain in my shoulder, and the trip of one hour totally, totally knocked me out. And that has to do, of course, with my shingle neuralgia that does not uh, respond well to to vibrations in the car. uh, I felt the meeting was very good, and he asked me to do an X-ray of the shoulder. But when I came back after that meeting, I thought... I was on my way to dying. I was in so much pain for three days. And I wonder, uh, unless I find a way to tolerate the one hour plus in each direction, I won't be able to see him. I wonder if you have any idea, Uh, of course, a herbal idea. I don't want to take pills, as you know me. that could help me that could help me go through the the ordeal of now, now you you bring up a really important and interesting thing um, shall we opt for the health care that's nearby and thus be less stressed in getting that care, or shall we opt for the health care that we believe is better if it's at a distance. No, I don't. And, and I find that I sort into both piles. It's not like I just choose one. If I think that it's important to have people who have a lot of experience, a lot of experience, and those people who have a lot of experience are further away, then I'm going to figure out how to tolerate um, getting to that help. If I don't think a lot of experience is really important, then I'm going to look around for somebody nearby. I'm wondering if you're taking a hypericum perforatum, St. Joan's wort. Yes, I do. While you're on the journey. Uh, No, I didn't take it at that time. Um, To my mind, it works very effectively if it's taken repeatedly on those kinds of journeys. 
You mean like every half hour or, or how? Yes, how? Or even every 15 minutes, depending on your level of distress. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I was coming back. It was such terrible timing. Yes, he is an excellent referral, and he has a name in his field, and he trained other people, and there is no one like him around here. And that's why I put myself, my daughter was very upset. She knows that after 15 minutes, I'm in bad shape. And uh, I said, I have to go because I need help. And I'll try, and I'll see what happens after that. And um, (laughs) what happened after that uh, really was not good. Uh, I did take... So so there is a doctor within 15 minutes, also an osteopath? No, there isn't. Uh huh. There it's isn't the doctor that your daughter knows is just a is a medical doctor, not an uh, uh, osteopathic doctor. No, no, she knows that in fifteen minutes in a car I get not well. Um, oh, I, I thought you were saying that she yeah, was yeah. was saying that there was a doctor that she yeah. knew of that was within fifteen minutes of you. No, that's my. Uh, cardiologist, but I see her once a year. Yeah. So, um, so I think that that could be helpful. Also, um, you know, I give myself little pep talks about it because I've gone, you know, I chose um, the place to receive my major care around my diagnosis as New York City which is 100 miles south of me. Yeah. So it's more than an hour away, and I'm glad that I made that choice. And all of my um, adjuvant care, all of my complementary care, are people who either come to my house or are extremely nearby, mm-hmm. right, no more than 20 minutes away. Um, but going back and forth to the city, you know, for the first month I had to lay in the back seat. I wasn't even allowed to sit up. And I know what you mean about the vibration. It can be really jarring. And so I um, did what I could to find things to help reduce the pain. I tried a variety of different things until I found some things that worked for me. So, said John, a, a drop full like every half hour it, it would be okay to to do or even more than every half hour yes indeed i um, even though i know it's an herb but considering that this is not an herb in natural form but in concentration i am concerned because i am extremely what has concentrated it it's not a concentration it's a tincture oh a tincture is not a concentration not in the least. Why did I think so? As a matter of fact, I think of it as a dilution. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the the the, the minimal of, um, alcohol goes to my head instantly. That's <laughs> that's the effect. That that's why tinctures are always put in some beverage when they're taken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. is like a shot to that, my that, head. That amount of alcohol cannot be um, have basically have any effect on the body because a dropper full is one fortieth of an ounce. Yeah, 
Uh-huh. So even if, even if I take so if a you drop, were, so okay. to get an ounce, you would have to take 40 doses. If you took four an hour, that would be one ounce of alcohol over a 10-hour period. Really? So yes. That's one ounce, of, one ounce of alcohol is what's in an average mixed drink. I would say it means I am in a terrible state of inflammation. If so little alcohol, I feel it immediately going like a shot through my head when I take a dropful of uh, Hypericum. Mm-hmm. And what liquid do you usually take it in? It's okay. What More? liquid do you usually take it in? Pardon? When you're taking the hypericum tincture, what liquid are you putting it in? Oh, water. Uh-huh. Maybe try some herbal infusion. You're drinking your nourishing herbal infusions every day, right? Yes. Oh, to put it in in my tea, in the herbal infusion. Yeah. Try that instead. And if you if you drink anything hot, try putting it in the, the hot liquid to evaporate the alcohol. Oh. Uh, well, if I travel, I can't do that. But what you're suggesting is that I dilute it in more liquid because I put very little water in it. Yes, exactly. I see. Okay. Well, thank you. That's, that's helpful and gives me... It, you know, if, I'm going, if I'm going to take Hypericum frequently, if I'm traveling and I want to take it frequently, what I'll do is I will put, um, say, eight dropperfuls into an eight-ounce bottle of water. And then every time I drink an ounce of water, I'm getting that much. And it's pretty easy to drink an ounce of water every 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, if I have a, a, a bathroom attached to my behind. <laughs> Eight ounces of water is one cup. It's hardly any at all. Uh, uh, eight ounces, it's a whole glass, yeah. Yeah, it's only one cup of water, a tiny amount. Thank you. Especially when it's taken over a two-hour period, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if it's every 15 minutes, that uh, goes over about two hours. After the treatment, it's, it's, not, it's not very much water at all. It's not like we're drinking eight ounces of water every 15 minutes. In fact, that's what I'm suggesting that you not do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt very uh, unnatural after the treatment that I got. I really wanted to lie down for three hours, and that would have been wonderful. And instead, you know, we got in the car and back home. Is it? Is it? Well, maybe the next time you can lie down on the back seat. Yeah, I was thinking of that. Uh, make a pillow and a blanket and make yourself cozy. I think it's a natural response. Yeah, but yeah. it's still shaky, even in the back seat. Yes, I, I don't hold my it's back. It's still shaky, but it, it, at least you're a little more relaxed. Yes, you're right about that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank Glad you. you found someone that you trust and that you can work with. That's wonderful. Yes, yes, I trust that. I heard his voice. My music, musical things got transferred to hearing people and making decisions, and they never failed. Excellent. Thanks okay. for calling tonight. Green blessings. 
Thank you, Susan. The next caller is coming from the 847 area code. Hello. Hello. I, I, Hi. I want to It's Lyndon, and I'm wondering, and I'm wondering how to infect, how do we infect cut with, with, without infecting them with alcohol? How? Because how alcohol, how do we disinfect them without alcohol? Because cause, cause cause it's things for me when, when, when we infect them with alcohol. You're saying that your skin is irritated when things are disinfected with alcohol. And I'm oh. with you on and I'm with you on that. I don't like oh. bleach either. It it hurts and and stinks at the same time because anything else you can use. Is there anything else you can use? Is there anything else you can use? Well, I'm not exactly sure um, what circumstances you're using this in. So one of the things that I do, because I don't like these things, is that I um, pretty much stay at home. So I'm rarely in situations where I would need to sanitize my hands because I'm at home. And I'm safe because uh, I'm at home. So that, that's the first thing that I say. And um, then another way to not put sanitizer on your hands is to carry with you and to use gloves. Or some. Can, I, can I help you? Can I help those, you? And using gloves, of course, um, mm-hmm. means that you don't have to use the hand sanitizer. Hey Susan, I think what my four-year-old daughter is trying to ask you is, she she runs around and plays outside a lot, and she gets cut up a lot, like falls on the driveway and gets cuts on her knees and this and that. And sometimes when she gets cuts, we use like alcohol-based something to disinfect the cut. And that's what she's talking about. Oh, all right. And she and she was wondering what she can use instead of alcohol to disinfect a cut. Because it hurts. Yeah, she does. She like gets. She's terrified of the alcohol, so that's what yellow. she's calling about. Yarrow, okay. and you can use uh, yarrow. Do you have yarrow growing around you? Yeah, we got yarrow. We got yarrow. Got yarrow? Yeah. Well, you can use yarrow by plucking a leaf and chewing it up and putting it right on uh, whatever the boo boo is whatever the heart is, whatever the cut is. And that does a lot of things. First of all, it disinfects it, which is what we're talking about. But it also stops the bleeding and stops the pain. And it hastens healing. So it's a really good ally whenever we've gotten injured. I I know, I know, uh, we know already that you have the two, we use... uh, we use a plant that I forgot the name of, but we use a plant 
and we chew it up, and we know that we have to chew it up already. Like the plantain. Like the plantain. Plantain is wonderful. It's not as antiseptic as yarrow, though. Okay. So since the question was about things that could be instead of alcohol to disinfect a wound, um, and I'm assuming that that doesn't take place all the time, but just in special circumstances where there seems to be some real problem that needs to be addressed. Um, that if you have access to yarrow, it's an excellent choice. And 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 I got a cut that was bleeding last night or the night before or the night that was before that was after yesterday. With this cut was bleeding. This this like some of my skin peeled off and it was bleeding. And I and a couple. Hours ago, I got stung by a bee by stepping on it, on my pinky toe. You know, that is always so startling that sometimes it even makes me laugh. Even while I'm crying from the pain, I have to laugh because it just seems so funny to step on a bee, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because bees, because bees don't usually sing except sometimes when you're attacking Yeah. But I guess if a big foot is coming down on them, they feel attacked. I can certainly understand that. <laughs> How they might mistake my tre- treading on them as attacking them. Yeah. So, yeah. Plantain, of course, is absolutely the best for that. As a matter of fact, once I got stung by a bee and my granddaughter and her friend, and they, they saw me, you know, jumping up and down and going, ow, ow, ran away. And I thought, why are they running away from me? And in a minute, they were back with plantain leaves they had gathered for me. That's what that's what we did. That's excellent. I'm so glad you know to do that. All right, so we'll use yarrow next time. We'll use yarrow next yeah. time. Yeah, use yarrow instead of alcohol. I think you'll find it works extremely well. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Susan. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Good night. Can you read? I'll remind the callers to press 1 if they have a question for Susan. And here we go. Uh, Coming from the 775 area code. Hi there, Susan. Um, So... Uh, that last caller was, like, really cute. But um, that reminded me, so I have a bunch of yarrow growing around me, like, just fields and fields of yarrow. And, like, a few, maybe even, like, a month ago now, time flies, me and my mom went out and she, she harvested some of the flowers and she put it in some oil and leaving it there for X amount of time. I'm sorry, I'm not being very specific. But anyways, what other things can you do with it? What else does yarrow tend to be good for? I tincture yarrow. I think she might have made tincture as well. I don't remember. Because I find it most useful as a tincture. And there's certainly nothing wrong uh, with the oil, it's just that I find that I don't use a lot of oils and ointments. So I tend not to 
make them very often. But I have lots of students who make them so that I always have them around. And um, so I use yarrow as a wound healing herb. When I asked okay. Yarrow how I should talk about her, she said that she runs a school of self-defense. And as we mentioned before, Yarrow stops bleeding, it stops pain, it's antiseptic, it's everything you want in um, an herb that helps you deal with wounds. And that is not just wounds like accidental wounds, it's also um, anything that might happen that your body might think of as a wound, like even brushing your teeth. Yarrow turns out to be uh, really good for your gums and to prevent decay. And the U.S. US Army um, found that yarrow tincture sprayed on was a really excellent insect repellent. So there are some uses for the yarrow that's growing all around you. Awesome. So, like, you say it's good for, like, wounds. So, like, my daughter, she scratches herself a lot. Like, like she's itchy all the time, and she ends up kind of giving herself wounds. So would the tincture be good to give her for that? No. No. The, the tincture I usually use sprayed on various areas rather than taking it. So maybe the answer is yes. Um, But I would think plantain because plantain is the herb that's most active against it. Yeah, I I have some funny shit. I'm looking at some plantain salves that we have right here. Wonderful. Um, That's just the thing to use. Okay, cool. Well, Gosh, when I'm on the spot, you know, I, I think of all these questions I could ask you when I think about it, and then on the spot I can't think of anything else, so. Well, just you. keep a little notepad handy and write them down, and then when you call in, they'll be right there for you to refer to. Yes, that, that's a great idea. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, if anybody else has a question, press 1 to speak with Susan. We have um, an email question here. Oh, here we go. It's in the 209 area code. Hi, Hello, Susan. 209. Speak to us. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? We can. Hi. This is Julie, and um, I just wanted to call in with some uh, old results of a question I asked you about my ovarian cyst. And um, you suggested I might try chickweed in the tincture form, but to use like two to three droppers a couple times a day. And it's been two years and they are slightly smaller. And so I'm, I'm really happy about that and I haven't been very good at taking my tinctures. I've only done like maybe one dropper a day. So I'm really going to up it now and take my two two to three dropper fulls of chickweed. And my 
gynecologist is still pressuring me to have them removed, but I just tell her no. I want to wait, see how they go. They're not growing, so why are we worrying about them? Or I don't worry about them. Good for you. Exactly. They're not growing. Thank you for that. That results, and thank you for your book, Abundantly Well. I'm really enjoying reading that. I accidentally bought two two copies. I was so excited about it. But that's okay. I can have one to share. And People, um, people often say that they like to buy my book in duplicate so that they have one to lend out. Yeah, because you never seem to get those kind of books back. Right. <laughs> and um, the only, my other comment would be like I follow um, Juliet of the Herbs, her yes. um, dog book, and her and but she always refers to dried herbs. It's so to use tinctures instead because that's what I have most of now or make a herbal infusion of the herb and put that in my dog's food would that be a good way to to vary somewhat from herb to herb Okay. water extracts from plants preferentially their nutritive qualities vinegar extracts preferentially minerals which are also nutritive but Specialized. Alcohol extracts preferentially poisons from the plants. Ah, the medicine. So depending on what we want, we would mm-hmm. use different means of preparing the herb. Okay. Well, I'm just, you know, in looking through her book and finding what um, what I want to use, it's usually either just the name of the herb. So I guess I'd have to research and see what I want out of that herb to know the best way to use it. You're so right. And that points out um, one thing that I talk to people about in terms of looking at books and trying to decide you know, is this a worthwhile investment? Should I buy this book? The difference between um, folklore um, and herbal folklore, which is wonderful, and I don't in any way put it down, and herbal medicine. And there are actually four questions that distinguish one from the other. The first question is, what part of the plant am I using? The second question is, when am I harvesting that part? The third question is, how am I preparing it? And the last question is, how much am I taking as a dose? So folklore doesn't give us the answers to those questions and kind of leaves us in the lurch going, as you say, I guess I'll have to research this more. I haven't really been given the information that I need in order to really understand how to appropriately use this herb. And I think that it's one of the reasons why Many people find my books beneficial because I actually um, give all of that information. Yes, 
I agree with that. That is true. Um, no. and so it I, makes it makes it clear um, what I'm talking about, um, although right. not always clear enough. Okay. I've always I've been amazed well, um, at the at the number of um, ways that people can find to not quite understand it. It's certainly helped me be clearer and clearer throughout the whole time. Right. I I understand that. That's what's so great about a book. You can go back and refer to it. Yes. My memory isn't what it used to be. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I bought some yarrow plants, but they have the pink flower. Uh-huh. So I know you said not to tincture the pink ones. Uh-huh. But can I use the leaves? As you suggested, just chewing them up and applying them, I would assume I could. You probably can. What I have noticed is that the cultivated ones tend to be much higher in volatile oils, especially the yellow ones, but also the pink ones. And so when you chew that up, if it leaves say, a really nasty taste in your mouth, then it's probably not going to act really the same as the white flower yarrow. Okay. So, so you can, you know, the can white do it, one you is, can do a taste test. It's more like, okay, the white more like, uh, I'm growing wild. Yes. Would you say? Yes, the okay. white one grows wild. And I do the same thing now. If I see a plant while I'm driving, I'll go look at it. I'm, I'm losing you. You're breaking up quite a bit. Sorry. That's I had okay. to put my dog outside. I, uh, yeah. I've been doing the same thing as you, driving, driving, and when I see an interesting plant, I'll stop and yes. try to <laughs> figure out what it is. It's like a treasure hunt. It's like okay. a treasure hunt, isn't it? What fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 603 area code. Hey, Susan. This is Mike calling. Hi, I'm so happy to uh, be able to talk to you. I just got home, and I got a call that my sister um, is in the hospital. I talked to her a couple of days ago, and I am planning to go out there the end of this week. It's a three-hour drive for me, and that's difficult with my very serious back scoliosis, but um, I can relate to that other lady who calls in frequently with her drive uh, that called in earlier tonight. I was on my way home and I was listening in the car. So I'm calling tonight because I'm sorry I'm out of breath, but I'm calling because I need your, I know you don't take third party, but she's not able to talk to you. She's in the hospital. And when I talked to her a couple of days ago, she, I explained to her, she has AFib, um, very badly and she was put on medication etc and she's I told her all about 
what you taught um, uh, about um, Hawthorne and let's see Hawthorne and dandelion because now she's lost her appetite from so many meds they put her on. So she said, I said, Jane, if I do my Hawthorne tincture that I that I finally was able to make and my dandelion tincture, will you take it? And she says, yes, yes. So she's looking forward to me coming. But now I find out she's in the hospital. So my question to you tonight is, is can you please tell me your suggestions? And I'm sorry I'm out of breath. Um, um, what we, I can help her with for her AFib and her complete loss of appetite. Of course, I'm bringing her uh, the infusions. I'm bringing my herbs and making her some there. She is receptive now. She hasn't been for the last couple of years, but now she is. So um, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing what I told you, but if you can give me more specifics, please, on um, what you feel like to help her with her AFib specifically and she just is sleeping all the time because of all the meds they have her on, like five different ones. It's crazy. So she has no appetite. She's sleeping all the time due to the meds. And um, so I'll be quiet and listen to what you have to offer. I'm so appreciative, Susan. Yes. So one of the things I like to be clear about is that I am not an MD. And if someone is under the care of an MD, then I am not there to second-guess or argue with that MD. Yes, I understand that, and I, um, so yes, you, and I explain that so you to are her. Not there, you are not there to treat her AFib? No, I'm there to help her strengthen her body and nourish her and exactly. do what she can. When I you ask me about herbs that can help her with AFib, I don't think that's where we want to go. Well, I'm starting with the hawthorn and the dandelion. So, hawthorn um, and dandelion are wonderful things. I'm not sure why you wouldn't make the infusion beforehand and take it to her ready to drink. That would be so much better. Oh, okay. Well, I was um, I was starting with the um, hawthorn tincture and the dandelion, and I explained it. And I explained, honey, you're not going to um, use this as a substitute for any of the medications. You're going to stay on the medication. She understands that. I said, this is just to strengthen you and help the medications work better or, or to build up your body so that you can start, um, you know, strengthening and have your body help itself. And she okay. understands that the medications are giving her side effects, all these terrible side effects. And so long as she's in the hospital, it may be difficult to not take those medications, but as soon as she's out of the hospital, if yes. she wishes, she can... She can start moving herself off of them. Yes. Yes. And, and she, so I one, of the things, one of the things that you can do is you can find out what medication she's taking, and then when you go home, do some research about those medications. Yeah, her, her husband is supposed to be sending me a list of the medications that she is on. But for now, I would like specifics, please, on, like, just starting her on the – Hawthorne to strengthen, strengthen I'm not sure her. What you mean by, I'm not sure what you mean by specifics. It's like asking oh, me how much applesauce like, she should eat. Hawthorne oh, is a no, member no. of the apple 
family. It's completely benign. However much she wants to take, however much you want to give her is the right amount. Well, I'm sharing mine. Um, I take it preventatively, and I I just take, you know, like I take a dandelion tincture and half a teaspoon of um, hawthorn in the morning. I mean, uh, twice a day, once in the morning before breakfast and once in the evening before supper as a preventative. And I believe you do the same. I can't remember what dose you take. What dose is it that you take? Right now I'm taking a dropper full of dandelion tincture once a day. Um, partly because when I was in the hospital in May, they gave me some very bad drugs, and I want to support my liver. Yes. Half and a that's teaspoon important. Is, half a teaspoon is rather a lot. A half a teaspoon is what I, I've been taking. Oh, maybe it's a quarter teaspoon. Wait a minute. I think it's a quarter teaspoon. I don't know what a drop of fill, how that relates to uh, um, teaspoons. Do you? A drop of fill is like... Would that be comparable to, what, a quarter of a teaspoon? Mm, probably more like an eighth of a teaspoon. Oh, okay. Okay, so I don't – so I guess what I'm asking you is um, I want to start her with a minimum dosage because I don't want to – I have to share what I have. And so I, so, I want to take the minimum that I need. What I'm saying is it's like applesauce. You can't do it wrong. I mean, so even if, I, if if she starts off with an eighth of a teaspoon, as long as she does it on a regular basis, why would she use? Why would she be using a dose measured in teaspoonfuls? It's just that I have not been able to purchase any dropper bottles. I just have the quart that I made it in. Okay. I understand. Okay, got it. So that's why. I mean, I just haven't been able to. Um, Give up enough money to buy the individual bottles that have droppers. So I I, I understand now. I I wasn't clear about that. Thank you for helping me to understand. Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was still connected. I'm trying to figure out how you could get hold of a dropper. I wonder if you go to a drugstore and ask for one if if they would give you one. They might just give you one. I really don't know, but I suspect they might. Um, Because it's it's hard to measure out a small enough dose with a teaspoon. So you said perhaps what you take would uh, a dropper full might be equal to an eighth of a teaspoon, maybe? Might be. Might be. Okay. I have never measured it out by a teaspoon. Understood. Me neither. <laughs> okay. So does it sound sensible for me to start until I can... Uh, Those are wonderful um, nourishing herbs, and it's very help to do any wrong with hawthorn or dandelion, so I think that you're um, certainly going to be helping your friend. Mm-hmm. She's actually my sister. Your sister, sorry. No, that's fine. I wouldn't want to mistake her for your friend, I'm teasing. I'm sorry, what was that? As I just made a silly joke, it's okay, it's better, better left than said. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. That's Okay. 
I said, I think that that this will work out very well for both you and your sister. Okay, so I'll start with the um, with that. Yeah, and, and the two. you know, go with the infusion already made, and then you can take it. You know, like iced. Do you drink your infusions iced in the summer? Oh yes, oh yes. It's been so ninety degrees this year. That's I'm in New Hampshire. It's hot. So oh boy, it's been so hot. I don't usually like to ice drinks, but I've been drinking all my infusions iced. There you go. So that's what I'm saying. Make it beforehand, and then take it to her already iced. Yes, I will do that. The ones that uh, I can make ahead of time. I'm I'm just going to be going up and back. I'm not staying, of course. I'm going I to go. See. And she's going to be in the hospital how long? Oh no, no, no. She just they just they just all. I actually have to call back and get more information because I was actually on the road and I just got back myself. So from another. Uh, so I don't have all the details, but um, I don't think she'll be there for very long. Oh, good. Wonderful. So you can, so you can also take some dried herbs so that uh, when you're not there, she can make infusion when she's back home. Yes, I will show, well, her husband will have to do that. Like I said, is there anything else like you could suggest? Because she's just so fatigued. So are you bringing her infusion herb? Perhaps I'm not asking fairly enough. Are you bringing her stinging nettle and comfrey and oat straw and linden and red clover? I'm bringing her the five that I that's, rotate with, uh, except, except I'm out. So I don't have the five. Like, I'm I'm totally out. Um, and I didn't get to harvest my own, this, my own um, stinging nettle uh, uh-huh. this year. But I did harvest some linden, so... I have the, and I'm out of oat straw. I didn't grow that. So I only have right now, I'm, I'm out, I have linden right now. And it's, I'm out of, let's see, so what does that leave? Um, I can, I, I have a little bit of, so it's linden and comfrey that I only have, and red clover I have because I, I harvested my own. I am, so. to I am to understand that it is beyond your means to buy any infusion herb. I'm sorry, what, what was that question? I said, and I believe you said that it is beyond your means to buy any herb. Uh, no, um, I'm going to, um, Within the next week, I'll be able to purchase some more herbs online that I've been out of. Uh, and who do, you purchase, who do you purchase them from online? Oh, the ones that you mentioned. Um, um, Frontier. and. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Frontier, Mountain Rose. Um, I usually get, uh, let's see, um, it's either Frontier, but whatever whatever ones you, you suggest, it's Frontiers, where I usually get them, and there's another one. Um, I haven't ordered them in quite some time because um, I, when I ordered them, I got a, a whole lot, uh, so it lasted me qu- quite some time. But there's Good another one that you Excellent thing to do. <clears throat> so within well, a week, I, I hope... It sounds like you've got a really good plan for helping your sister, that you're going to be uh, taking her to really safe herbs that can be... Uh, used to help improve her overall cardiac health and just your sisterhood and your caring already is a tremendous boon to her. And then to turn her on to nourishing herbal infusions, I always think that's the 
kindest thing that we can do for each other. Oh, yes. Yes. So are there any other suggestions? I'm open, and so is she. Those are the things I'm saying are excellent. Okay. So I will call you back and let you know how things go. I hope you can make it out there. I hope you can be able to make it at the end of the week. So, um, 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 I, so I just had my physical therapy today for my spine, and I'm going to um, hopefully get myself, and um, I'm going to take along my, um, oh, that's what I want to ask you about to help me get, <clears throat> get through the trip for against my pain. Um, now, if I take the Hypericum um, tincture that I made, is that helpful against pain or no, against my, my um, spinal pain to help me get, get, make this three-hour drive up and back without too much suffering? <laughs> well, it's a curious question that you ask me because I'm not in your body, so I can't really answer you as to what's effective pain relief for you. Different people respond differently to different things. I could tell you right. what for me and how it works for me, but really and truly, um, you have to answer for yourself. Does what this work it? for me? And in what I dosage and how frequent does that dosage need to be? I guess I'm asking you, Susan, um, and thanks for bearing with me because, like I say, I rushed rushed to get to the phone to to, to call you, and I started the phone call out of breath. So um, forgive me, but... Um, I'm trying to calm down now, and I'm outside now, and there's a beautiful moon, and it's just gorgeous out here. And I w- quickly rubbed my uh, yarrow tincture on me because my spray bottle, for some reason, isn't working. <laughs> so I just ah, the slightest little bit of plant material in there, and those spray bottles just say, "I'm not doing it." Oh gosh, I, I it worked it worked like for about a week, and then I exactly they it. work it, they work at first, and then if there's a little, tiny bit of plant material in them, they just clog up. So right, I've so taken I've taken the straining and double straining my yarrow before I put it in my spray spray bottle. Yes, thank you for that. And I guess what I should be asking you, um, I mean, I I'll, I will reward it better. Reward 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 my 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 question better, I guess. Am I, because I'm still learning about what each um, herb is really, um, you know, the most helpful for, but I made myself some um, hypericum tincture um, last year, and um, so I guess my question is, is, has it been used? I mean, is that one thing that it's used for against pain? I'm trying to think um, why I made it to begin with. Um, I'm trying Hyper- to think. Why hypericum tincture has... A lot of different uses. Okay. One of the things that it's really renowned for is improving mood. It can relieve muscle ache or prevent muscle ache, but it's not oh, yes. in general a pain reliever because there are a lot of different kinds of pain, just as yes. there's not one general pain reliever for all kinds of pain. There's not one herb um, that does that. Um, Hypericum is an antiviral, and it is especially effective to help clear viruses that are in the nerve endings, like herpes. Okay. 
And okay. that's, that's just the beginning of the things that Hypericum can okay. do. Okay. Okay. So um, in my in my legs too, like walking up the stairs. So then um, I think Hypericum would be a wonderful ally for you to have in your pocket at that point, and to take some even okay. while you're walking up the stairs. Okay. So would I use the Hypericum oil to rub on my muscles? You could and use while that I'm driving. If you want to? Absolutely. And um. And you can and use the Hypericum tincture orally. You could do that. That's wonderful. Okay, so that way I will help myself a, a little bit to um, withstand this long drive for, for me there in back. So, yes. um, so, I, so I can be my best when I get to her too um, and arrive relaxed and, you know, for her. Um, so I thank you very much, and I don't want to um, take up any more time in case someone else can get through to you. So I'll let you know how, how it goes, and I... So much. appreciate, um, and you know your advice. Um, I've learned so much from you, and I thank you and bless you. Green blessings and God bless you. Green blessings. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Good night. All right. Do we have a last question for our last ten minutes here? It looks like we are. Um just about a few seconds for our guest to start. I'm not seeing his his um, number in the queue here. If you're here, Steve, will you press one so I can find you in the queue? I don't see him here, but it says that it's according to my clock that it's time to start the interview. Yes, and I see I, now that what I was uh, mistaking for a zero was actually a nine, and it is indeed time to start the interview. Let's see if we can find our interviewee. Let's uh, give him a call and get him online. Steve Blake is a doctor of science specializing in... I'm going to go ahead and... Go ahead. But it's going to ring over your voice if I... Okay, go ahead. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> See. Um, it's not letting me call because it's saying it's an international call, but it's in Hawaii, I think. Is there a reason that wouldn't be dialing on here? Hmm. Hmm, odd. It is odd. Let me see if I can try one more time. Yeah, for some reason it's not letting me dial his number. Um, if you want to introduce him, I'm going to call him on my cell phone and um, see if I can get him to call in. All right. All right. Blake. Steve Blake is a doctor of science, specializing in nutritional biochemistry. He's a registered professional herbalist with the American Herbalist Guild and a master herbalist. He is the author of the worldwide database, The Herb Doctors, with 160,000 herbal facts. He is director of nutritional neuroscience at the Maori Memory Clinic. 
Steve Blake has worked as faculty nutritional biochemist at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience for years. He just published a clinical study in the Journal of Brain Sciences on reversing dementia. He's a research director at the Neuroscience Nutrition Foundation and has presented grand rounds at many hospitals. He is recently credentialed to work in China, setting up hospital programs to reverse disorders using nutrition. Steve Lake is the author of 16 major works on the effects of nutrition on health, including Nutrients for Memory. And his website is www. Dr. Steve, S-T-E-V-E, Blake, B-L-A-K-E, dot com, Dr. Steve Blake, dot com. And I'm hoping we might have Steve with us now. I just got in touch with him, and he is going to be calling in right now. He did not have the call-in number, so let's just wait a moment here, and he should be on here at any time. Here he is. Are you there, Welcome Steve? Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, hi. Hi. We're so glad that we got in touch with you. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about um, herbs that can actually have an effect, uh, perhaps even reverse dementia. Well, I did try and run a clinical trial uh, recently, and that was published uh, last And it was a large nutrients and herbs. You know, it's a little tricky fitting in herbs when you're dealing with uh, two hospitals and an ethics board from a major university. But we did manage to get ginkgo biloba and go to cola in there, and both of them I know were helpful with people's memory and thinking abilities. All right, and you use them as tinctures? We use the standardized extract of both of those. Uh, as you know, herbs vary in potency because they can be grown in places with more sun or less or more water, different soil. So we used a standardized extract, so we knew that each and every dose was the same. Understood. So you, you found these at any dose or at specific doses to be useful? Well, let's see. Um, I don't like to guess. Of the standard extract of the ginkgo biloba, and a little bit less than 30 milligrams standardized oh, you're, extract. You're breaking, up, you're breaking up quite a bit. I can, can't quite get what you're saying. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Maybe this is a little better. This is much better. Yes, much better. Yeah, we did, um, we did use about uh, three or 400 milligrams of the standardized extract of both of those, uh, Centella asiatica and ginkgo biloba. And you used them together, not just singly? We used those together. Those were two of the 14 nutrient interventions that we used in that trial. So those, those were 
along with many antioxidants and also with some special nutrients that are designed to stop the buildup of amyloid plaque in the brain, which is the associated with Alzheimer's disease. Yes, it certainly is. The gold standard. Yeah, in fact, go to call that was Alzheimer's. Shown, you see that amyloid plaque. Yeah, Gotacola actually was able to reduce amyloid plaque, and it's about the only substance I know of that could do that directly, and there's some good research showing that it does. Of course, with ginkgo biloba, we had to exclude people who were on blood thinners because it also is a bit of a blood thinner. I hear you, and that's based on what evidence? Oh, really, quite a bit, uh, although... Huh? After the study, a large meta-analysis came out by an expert consensus around the world, and they could not find actual studies showing harm on, with people on blood thinners with Gotacola, but I am a cautious person, and That's I wouldn't exactly want people to get anything. There are no studies yeah. of any kind showing any kind of harm with blood thinners and Gotacola. In fact, I would say that the whole idea that herbs interact with drugs could pretty much be limited to uh, powdered herbs and capsules and perhaps standardized extracts. Well, uh, there are, we did extensive studies on Gotacola, and uh, I had to do that for the ethics board of uh -huh. review so that it could be used on human subjects. And I found both pro and con on blood thinners such as the 81 milligrams of aspirin was not contraindicated with Gotacola, but Xeralto, Eliquis, and uh, a few other blood thinners were contraindicated with Gotacola, with ginkgo biloba. And so did you then reduce the amount of blood thinner that the person was taking, the drug that they were taking so they could take the herb? Nope. We excluded them from the trial entirely if they were on blood thinners. And that's not such a small amount of people as you would think. A lot of people are on blood thinners for life. I understand that. As I say to my students, we made a decision that since there's two kinds of strokes, what we'll do is give everybody over a certain age blood thinners so when they have a stroke, it's a hemorrhagic stroke and we know how to treat them. Yes, and wouldn't it be nice if we could use things like Gotacola to thin the blood, in, I mean, ginkgo biloba to thin the blood instead yes. of using blood thinners? That's exactly what I'm saying is that if there is an herb drug interaction, then let's use less drug or no drug. And, it, you know, if, if the herb is strong enough to interact with the drug, good, then the herb is strong enough to take the place of the drug. It's a... Uh, I agree with you, but it is hard to find a neurologist who would agree to you with you because the FDA has not approved ginkgo biloba for blood thinning, and they have approved certain drugs for that. So it's it's hard to get them to do exactly. it. And I work with uh, exclusively neurologists. And you have to go. You have to go from the patient endpoint and get the patients to want to be proactive and take care of themselves. I agree. You can't go from the practitioner's side. Yeah. It's futile and frustrating to try to get the practitioners to change, but patients will change. Well, I have been working with medical doctors. I've given grand rounds at many hospitals from, yes. you know, Boston University Medical Center all the way out here to Hawaii. And the doctors do listen. And they are, the neurologists who work with Alzheimer's disease are 
almost desperate to find something that will help because the few drugs that they use, you know, donopezil and memantine, they're not very effective and they have some side effects that are difficult. Whereas centella and ginkgo are have side effects that are pretty benign. Well, I wouldn't say they're without side effects, though. I mean, what about lowering high blood pressure, increasing appetite, and helping sleep? (laughs) My dad's dementia uh, when he was taking ginkgo, and we made you know him tincture of the fresh ginkgo leaves. he got a whole lot more frisky, and he actually got thrown out of adult daycare for being too frisky. <laughs> That's great. Yes. <laughs> he does have a side reputation for being an aphrodisiac, and it was certainly true in his case. Okay. Well, at an advanced age, if a, if a man is acting a little more romantic, maybe that's not so bad. Maybe that's not so bad. That's the kind of side effect that I like as an herbalist. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> right. So did you also use foods in the trial? You said that the, that the, you well, just used these two herbs, that there were, what, 13 other things that you used? We used 16 interventions in total, four food changes and 12 nutrients and herbs. And so the food changes we made, one was really nice. We just had people eat one cup of berries a day blueberries, strawberries, or red grapes. And that, of course, supplies wonderful anthocyanins that are known to go into the brain and protect against inflammation and oxidation. We also used walnuts and sunflower seeds, walnuts for their gamma tocopherol form of vitamin E, and sunflower seeds for their alpha tocopherol form of vitamin E. In addition to that, we had people reduce the advanced glycation end products in their diet. These are formed when food is cooked at high temperatures, such as barbecuing or broiling or frying until things are brown. And so we had them not use these techniques for any meat, chicken, or fish, because those advanced glycation end products increase inflammation in the brain, and they contribute to the amyloid plaque toxicity. And that was an area, I would say, of difficult compliance. Of course, that wasn't the hardest part. The hardest part was getting the saturated fats down. As you know, vascular dementia is a huge problem with people with Alzheimer's disease and those who don't specifically have Alzheimer's disease, perhaps the most prevalent form of dementia. And that's caused when you have millions of little strokes in the brain and they're slowly shutting off and killing areas of the brain, thinking areas, memory areas, and it's due to increased saturated fat in the diet. So we tried to get people to get their saturated fat down below 7% of their calories, which is maybe about 11 grams per day. And that was the hardest thing to do because people like meat and cheese, and it was hard to get them to slow down on that. Yes. Yeah. And to... um replace that fat with fats that we think are healthier. Yes, and my wife actually wrote a cookbook uh, uh, for the trial and gave it to the participants of the trial, and that helped them find replacements that were tasty and satisfying and all that. So that that's what we like to do. We work in the Maui Memory Clinic with people now, and 
we are working to help them change their diets. And it's all about finding tasty, satisfying alternatives, not just cutting something out. Yes. Uh, the way I put it to people is don't change your diet, let your diet change you. <laughs> well, I guess we are what we eat. Exactly. So once you start giving your diet really optimum nutrition, it's going to craze it. Well, it it takes some time, and people sometimes uh, go back and forth. And uh, I tell them just think of it as a food experiment. You know, you, you ate a 16-ounce steak and you felt really awful afterwards. Well, that'll help inform you about the next time you're tempted to do that. And pretty soon you get a feeling what makes you feel really strong and what makes you feel weak and tired. Wonderful. Yes. So... One, two, three, four food interventions. Berries, walnuts, seeds, reduce grilling and frying, and uh, get the saturated fat down because you do not want to have lots of mini strokes in your brain and wind up with vascular dementia. And uh, so that's seven things. We have three herbs and four food interventions. So there's nine supplements. The others were supplements. A lot of them were antioxidants. We used a very special form of vitamin E in addition to the nuts and seeds, the gamma-tocopherol form that is very naturally extracted. And then we also used vitamin C, which supports the action of vitamin E and is a wonderful antioxidant in its own right that many people, especially elders, don't get enough of. We also supplied four minerals that are necessary for our own antioxidant enzymes that we make in our bodies, but they don't work without selenium, zinc, copper, and manganese. Applied those four minerals for them too. Now, we also gave people coenzyme Q10, which is normally made in the body in every cell, but a lot of older folks don't make as much, and people on statins, the most popular drug, make about 40% less than people without statins. So supplying coenzyme Q10 helped to, the idea behind all of these antioxidants is to slow down the destruction of brain cells because in advanced Alzheimer's disease, we're looking at half the brain cells being already dead. So if we can slow this down, we can keep those brain cells alive, you're gonna be thinking a lot better and antioxidants are one of the keys. Absolutely. And, of course, we're also getting good antioxidants in that one cup of berries. Yeah, they're, they're all good for you. Now, we did also target three nutrients to stop the buildup of amyloid plaque, and that is folate, which is a B vitamin, and vitamin B12, which those two work together to create S-adenosylmethionine, known as SAM-E or SAM, in the body. And then that SAMe goes on to methylate the very genes that create the amyloid plaque. So we use those as well. I've been accused of a sort of a shotgun approach, but everything I do is completely safe. And why not try everything and see if it works? And guess what? It worked. So you said there was, I thought, just two or were there three things that you said um, were special nutrients? There were Three that helped with amyloid plaque, the folate and vitamin B12, and also Uh SAM-E, 
which is a supplement okay, that people so can buy over the counter in America. So in B12 became Sammy. Yeah, folate and vitamin B12 are required in the body to turn homocysteine, an undesirable blood chemical, into SAMe. And then the SAMe goes on to methylate or quench the very genes that make the enzymes that make the amyloid plaques. Excellent. So, yeah, in fact, when we did the trial, we were... SAMe in addition, or just the folate and the B12 to make sure they were making it? Well, here's what happened. Uh, a lot of people couldn't get into the trial. Uh, it was just 75 people that could get in, and all of the other patients, and at our clinic, there's 24,000 patient visits a year. So they wanted to get the nutrients that the patients were getting, but we couldn't give them trial supplements. So we made this thing called brain and body food that has most of what's in it, and that actually has the other B vitamins as well. Uh, and that's available on my website at drsteveblake.com if anyone wants to keep the brain sharp. All right. There you go. Excellent. Right. And, of course, the walnuts and seeds that you were suggesting are very rich in vitamin E. And, um, of course, my secret um, thing is the nourishing herbal infusions, which are rich in the selenium, zinc, copper, manganese, folate, um, the things that are really necessary for good brain functioning. You have, in addition to doing all these brain things, you have a giant worldwide database on herbal knowledge. Tell me more about that, please, Steve. <laughs> well, you'd like this. Um, I think it all started back in, in my office. I was director of the Maui Holistic Health Center, and a lady came in with multiple sclerosis, and she said, I... Um, I don't want to change my diet or exercise or anything. I just want to take an herb. And so I said, okay, come back tomorrow. And 10 hours I dug through my herbal library and came up with some things that helped her. But I thought, geez, we should put this in a computer. So I I bought the first computer in 1982 that was available for home use or office use. And I started on this. Well, years later, it turned into one of the biggest databases in the world with 168,000 footnoted facts. And what I concentrated on was herbalists like you who know their stuff and have practiced a long time and written a book. And then I would put the entire book referenced into the database. And then the next and the next and the next hundreds of books went in this. And it includes information from 46 countries and regions worldwide covering the whole planet and every tradition you've ever heard of. And it, uh, it, it really is fun because you could look something up like if a kid has a fever and a cough, and you can put in both fever and cough and find out what the great herbalists of the world would use for fever and cough. <laughs> and then it's called the Herb Doctors, the database itself. And then I've spun off two books from the Herb Doctors, One's called Medical Plants of the World, a mere 6,634 pages. <laughs> and the other oh one gosh. is Medical Plants. Yeah, Medical Plants for Illness, that's only 4,835 pages. Right. And that one you can look up any illness and find out what herbs are most used for. The other one, you can look up the herbs and find out what they're best for. Right, so one is by illness and the other by herb. Yeah. But with yeah. the database, you can go either way and you can cross-reference, which I think is great. I, I like to 
nail it down. I'm almost like asking, it's, it's like having hundreds of the greatest herbalists in the room and saying, what would you do for this, that, and the other thing? And they'd all talk about it and come up with a consensus. And so and that I don't know is, if you've noticed. Is that com. Uh, it's, no, it's the herb doctors. It's on my uh, drsteveblake.com website. Uh-huh. Okay, so you go to your website, and then you find the herb yeah. doctors there. Great, thank you. Yeah, and there's plenty of books and, and things on my website. So look down a ways, and you'll find that one and everything else I've done. I've written really quite a few dozens of books. So I see 16 major works. Wow on the effects of nutrition on health. You know, I, I hear you say that the effects of nutrition on health, uh, while obvious, can take a while. And one of the things that I find when I work with people with nourishing herbal infusions is that it speeds the process up so quickly. We're just about to start our annual Green Goddess Week and uh, bring a, you know a group of women who asked to come and do this. And the only thing that they drink um, is nourishing herbal infusions which build uh, protein availability in the body, mineral availability, um, loaded with antioxidants, really reoxygenate and remineralize. And within five to six days, they are seeing and noticing effects. And by uh, the sixth evening, when I offer them chocolate and cookies, they hardly want to eat them. But, of course, just eliminating all the nasty foods they were used to eating is going to help, too, as well as the exactly. herbal infusions. Exactly. They're eating a whole foods diet of well-cooked food, right, fermented foods, a huge variety of different things. We start, we start them out the very first meal that we serve them is rice and beans because we want to synchronize with the eating of all the other people on the planet. Oh, nice, nice. I know my wife and I. Uh, sometimes get down to rice and beans and we smile and look at each other and say, this isn't so bad. This is right. This is what most people on this planet are eating for dinner tonight is rice and beans. <laughs> and it's a nice combination. Perhaps, uh, perhaps even the, the richer ones, the very poorest ones, are having only the rice. It's lovely. Oh, yeah, and I'd like to put some greens in there if I possibly can. Oh, if, so, oh certainly. We are going to also, of course, offer them the whole spread along with the rice and beans if you know, well, greens that we, we kale or, or uh, kale or collards that we have cooked for two or three hours, which makes the nutrients Ooh, so available. You have collards. We just oh, planted yes, we four twenty-foot rows of collards, and they're just coming up. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, they're in Maui. Tell us a little bit about your yes. life in Maui. We don't have much time left, but just give us a little vignette. Well, we live on a fifteen-acre organic farm, and. Our biggest crop is avocados, and they drop from the trees, and we have 12 varieties. And I have to say, each one is just incredibly more delicious than those little Haas avocados we have to eat on the mainland. And some are huge, and we call them nirvanas, and some are even bigger, and we call them magundas. Some are light and fluffy avocados, and some are rich and creamy. And that talk about good fats. Avocados have a lot of good fats, and vitamin E and vitamin C. They're a nice food. Exactly. When you're eating avocados and the trees are dropping avocados on your head, you don't need to take any supplements. Hurrah for the avocado. Wow. And I think that you use mostly solar power there. 
We're on independent solar power. We make all our own power. We catch rainwater for our water use. And we are far from the city and loving it. All right. Do you uh, keep any farm animals? Well, I, we I, have I thought I heard animals a in the background. Yes, we have many animals that have come to visit us and stayed. I wouldn't say there are animals. In fact, we live in a tiny house with screens all around it because it's never cold here. And the roosters say to each other, oh, look, we have two people in a cage. <laughs> sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> we have many animals who live amongst us and we coexist with them. We share the avocados with Rats and mongoose and pigs and chickens and cats and all kinds of other animals. And so the roosters just wandered in out of the forest? They just wandered in out of the forest and they hang around and we have names for the ones we like the most. And sometimes they wander off and sometimes new ones wander in and they're all welcome and we protect them from other humans. That is incredible. So tell me what's new and exciting. What's new and exciting is I just finished a book on COVID-19, and it's called, you know, How to Survive COVID-19, Go Beyond the Mask, and it's all about those concentrated foods and herbs that will stop COVID-19 from attaching to ourselves, stop it from replicating in ourselves, slow down. I'm sure you know many of the anti-inflammatory herbs and foods that can reduce inflammation, and so that's called Beyond the Mask, and it's on my website for under 10 bucks. Or if you've lost your job, just email me at drsteveblake.com, and I'll send you one for free. That is wonderful. That is so generous. Thank you so much for that. Yes, um, I've often teased that I need to write a book called The Mucus-Filled Diet Healing Plan. <laughs> Well, remember, John Christopher wrote the mucus. I could not have gotten it more wrong to put down the slime. Hooray for the slimy, sliding herbs. And especially... Oh, I like the demulsants of, you know, marshmallow and slippery elm and all those slippery, slimy things. So wonderful. At the very beginning of the show, uh, we were extolling uh, the, the, the mallows. Not just the marshmallow, but the Malvin neglecta and the Rose of Sharon and all the wonderful mallows that grow around us. Well, you have a little different plants there in northern Massachusetts, aren't you? Actually, in the Hudson River Valley in the Catskill Mountains. Oh, you're in New York. I am in New York. Well, Dr. Stephen oh. Blake, we have come to the last little bit of the show. It's been such a delight talking with you. Thank you so much for all of your work and for uh, bridging the gap between uh, people who know that herbs and food are medicine and the people who have been trained to think that only drugs are medicine. The ha, last ha, question I, that. I always ask my guest is, what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you tonight? I think I'd like to leave this note that the true wealth that we have is love, health, and service. Those are the true wealth of all of us. So that's my word. DrSteveBlake.com is your magic carpet 
to finding the worldwide database, the Herb Doctors, to finding out about his 16 major works on the effects of nutrition on health, including Nutrients for Memory and Beyond the Math Surviving COVID-19. Thank you so <laughs> much, Blake, for being on the show tonight. I say that herbal medicine is people's medicine, and of course, what we eat is people's medicine as well. These are the medicines of the people and for the people and by the people. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here and being here and being here. You are so appreciated. And thank you, Justine, for really showing up and being present and being in my life right now when I am so much in need of your loving care. Dream blessings to everybody until next week. Thank you. Aloha. Thank you.